0: Hey, thanks for being a part of the conversation. Let's do some pod crashing. Episode number 284 is with Beth Shelburne from the podcast Ear Witness.
1: I'm doing great, Arrow. How are you?
0: Very, very well, because I can't wait to talk with you because, I mean, first of all, this this is journalism at a really great level because I don't watch the five o'clock news the same anymore. I get my news from podcasts like this because I get the real story.
1: I'm so glad that you said that because, you know, I worked in TV news for 20 years. And one of the reasons I left was because I was feeling really dissatisfied mm-hmm. with Um, you know the the length of stories and how superficial it had become and I wanted to pursue projects like this because there's always so much that doesn't get to go into stories in traditional media and podcasts you can go as long as you want and that's what makes them so juicy and so substantive
0: I'll never forget when I was sitting down with my general manager and I was explaining to him that dude this is a great way that you can put advertising on there and, and and it tells the real story of the artists and the authors and and he goes I don't know what you're doing just keep doing it and I'm going what it's right here it's in plain sight
1: yeah yeah it's um you know sometimes the business you know it takes a little while for everybody to get on board but I I think podcasts are here and they're here to stay
0: absolutely I I was with uh, the people from dictionary.com a few weeks ago and I got to tell you ear witness I is it in there because I mean I I fell in love with that the second I saw it
1: um you know I don't it's in the dictionary, but it's definitely a term that the legal community and police know about. Um, an ear witness is like an eyewitness mm-hmm. in criminal cases, but they hear something. And so, the reason that we titled the series "Ear Witness" is because the key witness that landed to Forrest Johnson on Alabama's death row. Is the testimony of an ear witness, a woman who claims that she overheard him talking about the crime on a three-way call mm. that she eavesdropped on? But we also thought that um, we're asking listeners to be ear witnesses to this. We want them to really settle in and listen as we unpack this case from the very beginning you know, in a way that, um, podcasts really allow you to do Mm -hmm. to go deep and long, you Mm -hmm. know, to go down every rabbit hole that a, a TV news reporter can't go down. And so, um, that's the genesis of the title ear Witness."
0: Wow. I'll tell you the thing that scares me the most about about ear witness, and this might be an example of that, is that I read the book Blind Gorilla, where we think we see something, but we really don't. Is, isn't the mind the same way on the things that we listen to? It's like, I think I heard it right, but we don't always get it right.
1: Yeah, I think that there's actually... Studies out there that ear witness testimony is actually more unreliable than eyewitness testimony, and and we already know that eyewitness testimony is unreliable. Well, like you said, you know people remember things differently over time, and they start to you know tell themselves a story about what they remember. Um, so the thing that makes this ear witness testimony. Um, so outrageously uh, unreliable is that the woman who claims that she overheard to Forrest Johnson talking on this call, didn't know him, had never heard him speak. She knew the victim in the case. Mm. So she was paying attention to media coverage um, after the murder happened and um, and she has claimed all along that she the only reason she came forward was because her conscience bothered her. Mm. But now we know She also came forward in pursuit of the reward money that was offered in this case, and that information was not told to the jury, and the state did not disclose the reward payment for 17 years. Oh, my God. So, um, you know, not only is this case uh, the, the flimsiest of evidence, you know, this one witness who claims she overheard something. Um, she was a paid witness, and the jury never knew that. So, um, you know, when I tell people the kind of elevator pitch on this story, um, they initially react with skepticism, like, oh, well, no, that can't be the whole story. They had to have something else on this guy. You know, there, there had to be more to it. People don't end up on death row on that kind of evidence. Um, but once they start listening to the podcast, you know, that's the realization is, oh, my God. Yes, <laughs> this this did happen. And it's still happening because he's still on
0: death row. Especially when Mr. Johnson, you clearly state this. He was at a popular nightclub four miles away. How, how, how can you be in two places at the same time?
1: Exactly. I mean, that's one of the big conflicts in this story is... He was at a nightclub called T's Place. It was very crowded the night of the murder because it was Tasty Tuesday and ladies get in free. (laughs) Yes, Um, And so he was there with his buddies and they were, you know, hanging out and drinking and meeting women. And there are 10 witnesses that have either signed affidavits or testified under oath that they remember seeing him there in the same time frame that the deputy Bill Hardy was murdered four miles away, but unfortunately, that wasn't enough.
0: I know that you're going to try to keep it at eight episodes, but isn't something very big supposed to happen today in the U.S. Supreme Court that would that would call for another episode?
1: Actually, we just got word in the last thirty minutes that um, the Supreme Court has denied oh, review. God. Of, to Forrest Johnson's case. Yeah, it sounds terrible. And of course, as human beings, if we suspect that there's an innocent person in prison, especially on death row, it's unbearable to think about a court, especially the Supreme Court, turning the case down. In reality, the Supreme Court takes up so few cases mm-hmm. that um, it was a long shot and he still has... Pending appeals in state and federal court that he and his legal team will focus on. So it was a it was it was not good news, but it wasn't. It's not the final blow. He still has some legal avenues that his team is pursuing
0: listeners need to know this is not an overnight thing that you jumped into you actually started this journey in 2019 we're four years strong into this and i mean i can't imagine what that what that news from the supreme court today said uh, did to your soul because a lot of your time and energy in building this story right there that was it was I, i was expecting a victory today
1: yeah, I've really had to become a lot more realistic about how these things work, and um, you know, I'm not a lawyer, so to me, it's like, hey, all these people are saying this guy is innocent, this evidence is crap. We're oh. all in agreement here. Why is he still on death row? But that's not way the law. That's not the way the law works, you know. And 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 one thing that I've um, really had to learn and accept up close and personal is you can't argue that someone is innocent. Like that's literally no. not a legal argument that you can make post-conviction. Once somebody is is convicted and sent to death row, you know, the way that they have to argue or try to overturn their case is through these, you know, different legal claims and sometimes granular issues. So even if somebody is innocent and it's so obvious that they're innocent, you can't put that in front of a court. Um, That's not really a valid legal claim. And so that's why he's going after some of these other parts of his case that are equally appalling. Um, But so far, the system has said it's okay and perfectly legal
0: Wow! when you jumped into this podcast or the idea first was introduced to you to do it did you did you feel doubt in that moment or was it when you started doing the investigation that all of a sudden doubt became something that you put in your heart
1: um you mean doubt about his guilt
0: yes yeah
1: You know, I first started covering this case in 2019, as you mentioned, when I was still working as a TV news reporter. Mm -hmm. I was at WBRC, the largest TV station in Alabama, and they sent me to court to cover this hearing regarding this undisclosed reward payment. I didn't know if DeForest Johnson was innocent or not. I really wasn't familiar with the case and didn't know a whole lot about it, and i I think I felt like most people feel when they hear the details. I assumed that there was probably more to the case than just this ear witness testimony. Um, Once I covered this hearing and I got my hands on the trial transcripts and read through what happened in court back in 1997 and 1998, that's when I realized Oh my god. Yep. This guy really is on death row because one person claimed she overheard him talk about the crime and that's it. And so that's when I, you know, I felt a shift within me that this is this is almost certainly a case of actual innocence. And then the journalist in me really wanted to know, how in the world did this happen? Mm-hmm. How did this guy get caught up in this? And how did The state successfully get a conviction based on just this Mm earwitness. And so that's really what we unpack in the podcast is um, kind of a reverse whodunit with to Johnson being at the center on death row. And we unwind how he ended up there and all of the steps that had to happen and all of the missteps.
0: So this happening in your backyard, your your home state. The law. Now, Now, here's the thing. Do, do they know who you are? And do they know how you worked on television as a journalist? Because, I mean, it would be one of those things where it's like, oh, my God, here she comes. Okay. Okay, you guys, this is what we have to do as a team. Make sure she doesn't get everything.
1: You know, um, yeah, I started covering Alabama's criminal justice system in 2012 (laughs) and I've done extensive reporting on our prison system, which is in total crisis. And the department of justice has sued the state over these just horrific conditions inside our prison system. So I think that, um, I already had a reputation Mm -hmm. of pushing back against, you know, the official story because every time I did a story on horrific things happening in the prisons, the state would try to say, Oh, nothing to see here. Uh, Don't believe what these inmates are telling you. And then it turns out what they, the inmates were saying was absolutely true and then some. And so I developed a very healthy skepticism of what the state was saying. I think that, um, you know, for 20 years I I worked in traditional media and even if there's somebody that I find outrageously, um, uh, not believable, I will sit down with them and try to parse through their position and give them, you know, a fair shot. I think that that's important. Um, but but we do take a position in this podcast kind of right out of the gate that we believe in to forest and we didn't keep that a secret. I think that's what makes it so unusual that mm-hmm. I was able to sit down with the lead detective and the lead prosecutor. A lot of times these podcasts, you know, have the reporter chasing after some of the main people that were involved in the conviction. And those people never want to talk to the reporter, but they actually came to the microphone and talked to me for hours and hours. So it wasn't a case of us not having enough material. We had too much and we really had to, um, you know, kind of boil it down to what we felt was most important and, you know, give everybody, Um, a fair say in what was going on at the time and and how they feel about it now.
0: I have to give you kudos for what what you just said about, you know, having the people on there, because I listen to so many podcasts and I watch a lot of documentaries. I don't want other people sharing the story. I want to hear the authentic people sharing the story. And and you do that very well with this. And it's got a nice balance to it as well.
1: I really appreciate you saying that because we worked very, very hard to strike that balance. Um, I've actually the pushback that I've been getting from listeners has been that I wasn't hard enough on like the lead detective, Tony Richardson. But I really felt like, um, you know. He was being honest. And even if we don't agree with him or find his positions outrageous, he's letting us see into the mind of a detective. Mm-hmm. And I think that I wanted listeners to kind of sit with that and think about it. And so, me challenging him on everything I disagreed with or every time he said something outrageous, I don't think he would have talked to me. For seven hours on the record. So we had to kind of pick our battles. And and I think listeners are smart enough to where, you know, they can come to their own conclusions. They don't need me to tell them.
0: Yeah, because you and I are both in, in, in journalism in the way that we understand how to bring down the energy, get the conversation started, ask the questions and then question the answers. You don't have to aggressively go after them. Just be a part of their energy flow.
1: Yeah. And, you know, these are career law enforcement people that have, you know, um, hundreds, maybe thousands of cases under their belt. And this is is one case. And I think, you know, putting it in that context and sort of giving them the space to talk about what's a very complicated job that they have, and certainly a high profile case that they feel many different ways about. I think we were able to get to something a lot more interesting and important um, than we would have if I would have just gotten in their faces and yelled at them. Yeah. You know, it, They were difficult interviews. <laughs> I mean, I, I felt really beat up um, after all of them because, you know um things were said that i found outrageous Mm -hmm. um but i you know like i said had to pick my battles so um you know there were times that i just kind of sat there trying to maintain a poker face and (laughs) let them talk um and and sometimes they hang themselves that way you know um but 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 it's a, it's definitely an art and not a science.
0: Yeah. Because the, the pause, I always want the pause. And, and sometimes you don't have to ask a question. You just make a statement and all of a sudden you're going, Oh, here we go. You just gave me something to hold on to.
1: Well, I mean, and, and you listeners will hear that in, in multiple places with detective Tony Richardson, you know, because he makes um, several, pretty outrageous statements. One that comes to mind is we talk about police coercion, Mm -hmm. because clearly some of these young witnesses were coerced when he was interrogating them. And we've got the tapes to prove it. And um, and he tells me that nobody does that. Maybe they did it in the eighteen (laughs) hundreds, but no, no police coerce witnesses. I mean, what could I say to that? It was so outrageous and my blood pressure just went through the roof. When he said it, I thought to myself, just let that sit there. Like, you know, it's so out there. I can't even begin to challenge it. And so let's just let him say that. Let's let him make that statement himself and um You know, listeners can all scream in their cars or wherever they're listening. (laughs) And, and, you know, there's there's just no point in me pushing back because um, some of the things that were said are are just so absurd. I think it's better just to leave it there. Wow.
0: Where can people go to find out more about you? Because once they hear this podcast, they're going to go, oh, my God, I got I, I have to hear more from her.
1: Oh, I appreciate you saying that. I'm on on Twitter. I guess it's called X now. Yeah. Um, so I'm at B Shelburne, and I have a Substack called Moth to Flame, where I write about mostly criminal justice issues, but also life in Alabama and <laughs> you know different things outside of of justice and wrongful convictions. Um, but those are the two places where I am, and then of course. Um, We'll have episodes dropping through the end of October um, each Tuesday on, you know, wherever people listen to podcasts.
0: I love it. Please come back to this show anytime in the future. Beth, the door is always going to be open for you.
1: I appreciate it, Arrow. Thank you so much. It was great to talk to you.
0: You'd be brilliant today. okay?
1: thanks. You too.